E-A-B-L-E-S. Ebels. Remember that name because if you suffer from chronic joint and muscle pain like me, then Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil is your answer to your prayers. The Ebels story began with the search for something natural to help manage chronic migraines. But Ebels helps more than just migraines. From managing chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and more, Ebels is truly a game changer in the natural alternatives to big pharma drugs. And yours truly, Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, can indeed vouch for the quality of Ebels. Having a herniated disc in my back, whew, coupled with years of sports injuries, I was struggling to find something, anything to help manage my pain. That is until Ebels. With the best quality product and customer service in the industry, Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil and Ebels Freeze Gel easily stand above all the competition. And right now, Ebels is offering a special discount to all members of the Brian Nichols Show audience on all orders. All you have to do is head to Ebels.com and use promo code TB. NS, the Brian Nichols Show, right? TBNS at checkout. That's it. Discount applied. Again, the code is TBNS at checkout to start managing your pain today with the highest quality CBD on the market. One more time, that is code TBNS at checkout. And now, on to the show. Can I pause for a second and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At the Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Happy Wednesday, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for stopping by on, yes, another fun-filled episode of The Brian Nichols Show. And as always, when you join here for always our phenomenal guests on the program, you're expecting to open your mind. And my goodness, guys, strap in, because today you are definitely going to be opening your mind as we are joined by the content director of Microdose.Buzz, Gaurav Dubey, and we're going to be digging into the world of psychedelics. We're going to, I mean, honestly, it's, it's an area that we really have never discussed here at the Brian Nichols Show, but it's an area that is growing leaps and bounds. So Gaurav joins the show today to discuss not only the value of psychedelics as it pertains to approaching mental health and other medical issues, but also helping overcoming the stigma that is out there as it pertains to psychedelics. So a fantastic conversation. Strap in, folks. Without further ado, on to the show. Gaurav Dubé here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. I appreciate it. Gaurav, absolutely. Thank you so much, first and foremost, for joining. Um, now, we're here to discuss a very interesting topic and a topic I've never really dug into, and that is one of psychedelics. Now, we got to kind of rewind back to how did we get to this conversation, right? So, Serene Ardelianu, who uh, was running for uh, president back uh, in the 2020 election, she was on the show uh, promoting her candidacy, uh, you know, as we got towards the end of the election, and we focus primarily on building relationships with other people, building it uh, on trust and on love and empathy, and she talked about trying to really dig deep, right? And and how do you get into that that kind of um, you know almost like that subconscious like empathetic brain? And part of it she was mentioning was you know utilizing uh, different tools. And one of those tools that she kept on discussing people are using more and more frequently is psychedelics, and to help open up not only the mind but also to help you kind of discover different areas that maybe people haven't really thought of. So so Gaurav, I mean, it's an area candidly 
I've never really dug into. I'm a, a you know a country bumpkin from upstate New York. I've never really had to look at this stuff, think about this stuff. So I mean, I guess for for myself, and I'm sure you know the the thousands of other folks who are listening to the the show right now, they're probably saying, okay, like help me, walk me through. You know what is this psychedelic thing? So that being said, Garb, introduce yourself to the the, the program, and let's kind of do psychedelics 101. Yeah, no, absolutely, Brian. So again, thank you so much for having me and uh, what an interesting topic of, of conversation. So I'm Garav Dubey. I'm a clinical biologist by training. Uh, I have my master's in, in biotechnology and right now I'm the content editor for Microdose Psychedelic Insights. And so what we do is we're sort of the operating system for the psychedelic renaissance and you know we're we're putting together great content educational content we're bringing together thought leaders and clinicians in the space uh, and industry experts to talk about how this is all unfolding you know and we're at a really critical uh, precipice in our evolution right now a really important juncture in between the opioid epidemic the mental health crisis and the pandemic uh you know it's really busting the seams of uh, the way we go about treating mental illness, you know, um, and it's really spotlighted the need for, for better treatments and the state of clinical research right now, uh, now that that's sort of the, the era of prohibition on, on these compounds is starting to lift and more studies are being done. Uh, the results are absolutely groundbreaking, you know, uh, from psilocybin, the active uh, ingredient in magic mushrooms, uh, radically and robustly treating end-of-life anxiety in terminally ill patients to um, intractable depression and addiction. Uh, it's really showing incredible promise, you know. Uh, combining the psychedelic with the psychotherapy element in particular is showing to be really useful. And like you mentioned, uh, these are just tools, you know. They're really powerful tools that we're starting to realize we have a need for. Um, and social stigma and uh, the, the destigmatization of these compounds are starting to happen as you mm. and I and other people are starting to talk about it more. And uh, it's really coming through the context of clinical research and science, you know. And so I think that's really important that people are seeing that, you know, this the, the Reagan and Nixon era propaganda of kind of labeling these drugs with all the others, you know, like heroin and methamphetamine uh, was completely inaccurate and, and not aligned with the science and the research at all. Uh, and so it's really promising. It's really exciting to be at the forefront of this uh, revolution right now. And, you know, I'm really grateful to be in the position I am to be able to have these conversations, document uh, what's going on in the in the industry and just tell these stories, you know, about how people's lives are being changed. So I, I really look forward to this, this conversation. Yeah. And let's start off with the elephant in the room right and you you touched on it the stigma there is this crazy just as soon as you start talking about like psychedelics or i mean you can hint at mushrooms like the the instant i think mind of a regular person goes to like you're like a hippie right like some 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 you know completely like you know dressed in in rags and stuff with a headband or you'd start to think of like, um, I'm not sure if you ever watched Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny, uh, but like they eat magic mushrooms and like everything turns into like, you know, bright neon colors. And that's kind of like, I think your average personific personification, is that the right? No, maybe not the right word, but maybe perception. your perception. Thank you. Yes. Of, of what it means to, to be on mushrooms. But like, that's that's not really the case at all, is it? Yeah, so it's a, a lot. It's a lot deeper than that, right? What we're finding is that the, when we're doing fMRIs and, and brain imaging, we're finding that there's highly increased communication between different parts of the brain that normally don't communicate. Uh, what's really interesting is feelings of, of oneness and feelings of, of connectedness with nature and with other people uh, increase 
you know, when, when we take psychedelics and the ego dissolves, you know, and so what essentially happens is your problems that you thought were so big and insurmountable and because of maybe limiting beliefs you might have had about yourself and your reality, uh, you're, you're able to restructure them because these psychedelics they induce a period of neuroplasticity, like a window where your the formations of neurons in your brain become more flexible and amenable to change. You know, and that's really powerful because a lot of our habits and behaviors we don't realize really get set in our first several years of life, our first seven, six, seven years of life. So to be able to change those habits and patterns sometimes really takes a strong catalyst and psychedelic medicine is showing to be that catalyst. So indeed, uh, the classic serotonergic psychedelic drugs definitely in induce um, color distortion and the uh, audio distortion as well. and hallucinations are a very common um, aspect of, of these drugs, but there's a lot more to them that we're still figuring out, you know, uh, and the ways the brain starts to interact with other parts of the brain and the way you start to understand yourself and your identity and your place in the universe. Uh, all of that is really up for discussion right now. And we're starting to see that these drugs kind of, you know, modulate and affect uh, all of these important things. And it, it opens up a lot of opportunity uh, for, for more robust therapy and for helping people expand their awareness with themselves and with each other. So uh, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, well, it's it's exciting and I'm glad that people are starting to talk about it, right? Because, I mean, you look at even like folks like Joe Rogan, who I'd say is probably one of the loudest voices when it comes to, you know, discussing this on a large platform. And it's opening the door to, I think, some more of a, a more intelligent conversation versus the stigmatized conversation. And what, I mean, traditionally your your news was coming from the, the six o'clock news, right? And it was your 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 hyper, you know, your hyper partisan, you know, quick to the point, here's what you need to know in three to five minute segments. And there was no real room for nuance or context. But now you're having these platforms like a Joe Rogan who, I mean, I just saw he had a, a podcast drop where he just had, you know, it was like six hours or something like that. And I was like, my goodness, like, God bless this man. But like, he's doing this because... Number one, he, he, I think he's fascinated by it. But number two, he's he also has spoken to his own personal experience using these psychedelics, and and to the not just the the impact it's had on his own personal life, but take it a step further. You know, it's opened up his ability to appreciate things, and you start to to kind of go um you know, in your conversation there discussing the oneness, right? This idea of like it breaks down almost like the, these these kind of preset barriers that are almost limit limitations set by ourselves and i wonder right this this kind of goes to my greater libertarian brain as i'm you know talking about you know how we we are better at, at actually enacting liberty right and part of the problem has always been trying to address i think a lot of concerns that people bring up from more on the left and, and the right right to be fair and is it part of maybe the problem that maybe a lot of our friends in the left and the right from a, a, a truly like a brain functioning standpoint, the way that their brains are wired, that the, the the mindsets of just like, you know, all these these fear triggers that they have, it holds them back. And that something like a, a psychedelic, right, could actually help open up their their pathways to like considering alternative means of thought, like, you know, individual liberty and, and freedom, libertarianism. And then it goes into the, like the conspiracy theory brain, right? Well, is that why they're, they were, you know, so stigmatized? Is that why people are so against it? So I'll, 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 right. I guess I'll kind of set that up there for that. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot there. The conspiracy mind instantly wants to start going down, right? 
Yeah, you know, it's really interesting you bring that up because one of the most interesting facets of psilocybin research in particular has been its activity on the default mode network, which is a part of the brain that really is responsible for these hardwired habits, you know, and it has a lot to do with fear. And in particular, a new study had just come out that showed psilocybin is four times more effective than SSRI than treating depression. But interestingly enough, the SSRI's lower activity in the amygdala, which is a part of the brain responsible for perceiving and handling fear, um, what psychedelics do and psilocybin is shown to do is actually increase activity in the amygdala. But what is shown to happen is that these patients, instead of being able to like decrease the volume of their negative emotions and kind of ignore it, the psychedelics help them actually face that. You know, so instead from it, it helped them actually face and then overcome those fears. So just like we have the we think we have these very hardwired beliefs about how we feel about other people and our political beliefs and what should be allowed and what isn't allowed. Psychedelics really offer us an opportunity to question, question all of that, you know, uh, and maybe take them apart and put them back together in a way that's more conducive for us and for society as a whole, you know. And so when it comes to the political element of this, obviously, you know, I'm for the expanded access and safe and responsible use of these tools uh, to all the people who need them. You know, uh, the safe and responsibility thing is important because these are incredibly powerful substances. You know, no one's denying that. Um, the last thing we need is a repeat of the 60s and 70s and Sandoz sending acid to everybody, you know, and then people jumping off a roof or something because like people can still be stupid and then on psychedelics and then the psychedelics are going to get the blame for it, right? Uh, so what's really fascinating is they, they do have, you know, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, um, this activity on the default mode network and, and our, our ability to reframe our fear and our attitudes around negativity and negative emotions and we're able to process that differently and i think that has a lot of value uh both on the individual level and as a society and politically you know as well yeah for sure and i guess you know it's exciting because we are seeing a a shift again in in the narrative which i'm sure is scary to some pharmaceutical companies out there they look at these alternative medicines i'm sure as is not only a threat, but really, I mean, it is a massive, massive flaw to their their infrastructure that they've built up because a lot of their stuff is all synthetic, right? And and correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of the proponents of the psychedelics that that we're discussing today, a lot of it is natural based stuff that we can just go out and find if we were to go and scour deep enough. Am I right? Or am I wrong? It's really, it's really interesting. It's, it's a mixture of both. So we just had the microdoses hosted the mushroom conferences last weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And so we had the panel that I had the, the pleasure of moderating was psilocybin science, you know, looking back and moving forward. And we got in a pretty heated debate uh, from the plant medicine people to the people that support the synthetic drugs, you know. Uh, and really, I'm somewhere in between. Uh, I think that drugs like LSD and ketamine have showed incredible efficacy, you know, in, in treating different mental health conditions from acute suicidality and intractable major depression, uh, you know, to a, a addiction. And so I think it's just a matter of expanding the toolkit and using, you know, it's in a way personalized medicine because we have so much variability uh, within the different psychedelic compounds and each of us are so unique and variable that different things work for different people. You know, so in the pharmaceutical game right now, it's kind of a mix. There are there's a big concerted effort to create psychedelic derivative compounds because the original compounds, psilocybin, LSD, they've been around for so long, they can't be patented, right? So there's one school of thought that 
the way that you know chemists had developed drugs that look nature as a starting point where we can take these drugs and then we can modify them to reduce side effect profile increase efficacy some of those efforts are trying to reduce the psycho or remove the psychoactivity because some people are saying that well microdosing you know is shown to be i have all these benefits but it's a sub threshold as far as what you perceive you know, so there is a movement to try and take away the psychoactivity, the psychedelic component of these drugs. But then there are people that are like, well, that that might that might not work as well, because part of the experience is that mystical, you know, uh, visual, auditory kind of hallucination uh, experience that you have. Um, but then there are also people who are working with the natural compounds and then changing up the delivery method or changing up the way the therapy modality looks. So there's a lot of different factors that can be modulated and tweaked to kind of make a unique treatment. Uh, offering, you know, for uh, for patients. Um, but you're right, that debate is still hot and lively in this movement. Uh, I think it always will be. It was with cannabis as well, you know. Um, and uh, there are obviously a lot of parallels between the medical cannabis movement and this movement now to medicalize psychedelic medicine. Um, but I think that there is room for both, you know, and we'll just have to see as, as things move forward, uh, what works for who. Yeah, so I think part of it will come from, and it, my day job, I'm a sales professional, I lead a sales team, and part of what we have to do is is kind of get rid of the stigma of what it means to be a salesperson, right? You have mm -hmm. to instead, I think, help people understand, you know, you're there to help solve problems, right? And right. part of what you, you uncover as you're going through the sales process is that you're not just pushing like a product or a service like yes you that's what your kind of end goal is right that's how you're you're measured at the end of the day but also you are kind of serving as this this trusted advisor and part of building that trust is helping educate and i think part of the 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 challenge for you guys has been and i say you guys more of the psychedelic movement right is is that yeah. there really has been a, cons a concerted effort to make it so it's more difficult for you to discuss this kind of, you know, what it, what it means to, to utilize psychedelic drugs. And again, you have these, these kind of, you know, characterizations of what it looks like, you know, and they'll, they'll, you know, the Nancy Reagan, um, ad, this is your, your brain, this is your brain on drugs with the, the fried right. egg, right? So let's do this. And I know it's going to be, um, very subjective likely for an average person, but I literally, I'm so like, I'm such a little, you know, innocent boy when it comes to this kind of like world, like psychedelic stuff. Like I have not even the slightest beginning to understand of it. So what, like, what would an average person experience when, like, if they were to start with a, like, it's a, a microdose, right? Like, like just to start something that people can kind of have an idea of what it would be. That's a really good question, you know, because a lot of people are becoming increasingly more curious about the psychedelic experience and about microdosing or full uh, dose experiences. And I think what's important to remember is that we don't fully understand um, exactly what happens in the brain just yet. And that when it comes to microdosing, there haven't been large scale placebo control clinical trials yet, you know, but there has been so much anecdotal data, especially coming out of Silicon Valley and now people using it for depression and, you know, not just for productivity, um, that there definitely seems to be a lot of promise and people are now pursuing the first clinical trials. And so for someone that's interested in pursuing, for example, I think microdose is a good place to start. Uh, you know, I, I think looking at our blog content that, for example, we have at microdose.buzz, Double Blind, uh, The Third Wave. Um, organizations like this are a good place to start, as well as 
reading people's, right, you're right, subjective experiences and trip reports, but then also understanding that, you know, everyone's different and the intention by which you approach this medicine plays a big role in it too. So does set and setting, you know, that makes a really big deal. And that's why it's, I think, so variable from person to person, the experience and the benefits and the, the side effects, maybe even, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's still really variable. So for the people that are interested, I, I definitely recommend start low and go slow and keep a uh, diary, you know, uh, like your mood and, and your set and setting before you ingest the, the microdose and then report your benefits and any adverse reactions you might have and all that moving forward, you know, and uh, it depends, for example, LSD, if you take a microdose of LSD, since LSD is a much longer acting compound, you know, uh, the trip lasts for 12 hours, the microdose effects will also last uh, significantly longer than, for example, something like psilocybin. Um, in my personal experience, I found LSD to be more stimulating. Uh, I found Psilocybin to be a little bit more um, empathogenic, you know, and a little bit more emotional and slightly more spiritual, but it just really depends, you know, uh, on, on, on the person. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's probably my best advice. And if it's possible in your area to seek a therapist that works uh, with these compounds in Oregon, now they've, they've just they've legalized psilocybin for therapy. So that's going to be starting soon, you know, and uh, when reading about other people's experiences, for example, the first patients in Canada that have terminal cancer that have been approved by Patty Hodgdu, the health minister to use psilocybin therapy for their terminal illness, have started giving sharing accounts of their experiences. And they're so wow. powerful. They're, they're full of those experiences, but they're so powerful. They've been uh, iconic in our movement, hearing their stories. You know, uh, so I recommend people, you know, reading as much literature as they can of, of what's out there, speaking to their mental health professional. More and more therapists and clinicians are starting to become more aware of this. Uh, Microdose is releasing a CME, a medical training program for clinicians and therapists too, to, to get more up to date about psychedelic medicine. Um, so I think that's probably the best approach forward, you know. So it's starting off. People are having the conversation. That's the best part, right? And, and like, I mean, candidly, right? You are now we're recording here on the 24th and, and of, a, of a 2020, uh, November 2020. And you're the first, I've been doing this show for almost three years. And this is the first time I've ever had somebody talk about psychedelics. And like, wow. part of it, I think, is because, again, it's not part of the national conversation. And, and I think you, you brought up uh, cannabis, right? And, and mm -hmm. yeah, candidly, like I, I use, so we have Ebels. Ebels was one of my sponsors here in the show and mm -hmm. it's CBD. Um, you know, I use their freeze gel and their broad spectrum CBD oil. And like yeah. that, I use that because I've, I've been able to experience the benefits in my personal life, but like to see how now there is so little stigma, not just with CBD, but like with, right. with, I think just cannabis use in general. Right. Right. But rewind 10 years ago and in 2010, I mean, you had movies like Pineapple Express where you're talking about like weed as like it's a taboo in the movie. Mm -hmm. And now I, I don't think a movie like Pineapple Express gets made. Maybe, well, maybe it gets made, but it's not going to get as, as much, I think, of, of an audience because now there's like there's no longer that like what that like we're doing something wrong kind of mentality. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like not, that, not as exciting to buy a drink when you're 21, right? Bingo. Exactly. <laughs> same, same alert. Right? Yeah, yeah. You're not hiding the drinks like from your parents in the back room, right? Like, which I right. never did because I didn't know where to get <laughs> alcohol. Cause I lived in the middle of nowhere again. It was like, what are we going to do for fun? It's like, I don't know. What do you want to do? Well, you can either play music, um, or, you know, right. like go outside and I don't know, like look at the trees, I guess. Um, yeah. home sweet home. I love it. And I, don't get me wrong. Home sweet home. It, like, if you want to talk about like building 
communities like talk like go go talk to like a, a small local area like everybody knows everybody in the best of ways um you know i i i've seen some really sad tragedies happen in my home area just because and, and here let's it's, <laughs> it's amazing how we can get things all kind of to come together i see a lot of tragedies and i've seen this in my personal life i've lost some three three very very good friends and tragically all under the age of 30 from drunk driving and we see we see people go towards other drugs that are much more dangerous, I would say, like alcohol or opioids. And I mean, the opioid epidemic is is not just everywhere, but I mean, it really hit hard up where my, my home area is because it's up near Fort Drum, New York, which is one of the larger military bases. And, and you have a lot of soldiers who who get injured and, and you know, going through physical um, physical therapy if they're, you know, uh, prescribed an opioid, you know, it's so, it's so quick for them to get addicted. So, I mean, going down this, this road of exploring psychedelics in the way that we're discussing, right? This has some real life, like positive ramifications that we can, I'm sure we could actually like start to quantify, right? To say like, if you were to start to prescribe, and, and this is the thing too, if we can start to, you know, get like the sales mentality of showing like this is the solution to a lot of people's problems. Like you don't need to go and binge drink to, to deal with your depression. You actually maybe have to just like conquer your depression by, you know, objectively looking at it, which to your point, these these psychedelics can actually assist with doing. So let's maybe kind of go go down this rabbit hole, right? What are some of the the benefits? I mean, do you have numbers something like that we could maybe look to to say like here are some things we could look to objectively speaking from a health standpoint that are more positive when you compare it to like you know the the drug uses that we're seeing that are having you know objective numbers of just you know devastation. I mean, drunk driving is like what eighty eight thousand right. deaths per year. Like there are hard numbers we can look to and say these are bad bad drugs and the ramifications are bad. Is there anything we can look to say that maybe like you know hey this could help alleviate a lot of that? Yeah, absolutely. So the state of clinical research surrounding uh, these compounds right now is only growing and it, they're robust studies and they're very promising. Um, as regards to opioids and chronic pain, for example, ketamine is a dissociative anesthetic. It's been used in clinical practice for five decades or so. Uh, but just recently, it has been found at sub-anesthetic doses to produce its own sort of dissociated hallucinatory effect. Actually, um, did, also, did, did you watch Tiger King by chance? I haven't. No, okay. So I had a guy in the show from from Tiger King, um, Josh uh-huh. Dial, and he had a traumatic event in the show that took place, and he, he's been dealing with depression, and he's been using ketamine. And we actually, we discussed when we were talking about mental health in the show that he's been using ketamine, and he's, he's like, it's not... I don't mean to cut you off. He's like, it's not, um, it's not something that like he is taking to like numb anything. He's like, right. it's actually, it's actually fixing my brain. Yeah, yeah, it's really fascinating that you know psychedelic drugs don't really offer the traditional psychedelics, especially don't really offer an escape. You know, unlike alcohol and opioids, uh, they don't. Like I said, they don't dampen the negative emotions. If anything, psychedelics are referred to as non-specific amplifiers. You know, uh, they'll, they'll amplify the good and the bad and kind of force you to take an objective look at everything. You know, so so what's interesting in that way is that inherently makes them um, kind of abuse proof. You know, someone that takes a large dosage of mushrooms, if you go ask them right after they finish their trip, if they want to take some more mushrooms, usually they say no. You know, it's, it's the last thing anyone wants to do because it's just... 
it takes so much time to unpack that experience, you know. But, but going back to your earlier question, um, what's really fascinating is with ketamine in particular, uh, Bex and Biomedical, when we hosted our ketamine conference back in August, they're working on a, on a at-home therapeutic that infuses ketamine uh, into you slowly. And they found in patients with post-operative pain that use ketamine over opioids uh, or in conjunction with um, are way less likely for that post-operative acute pain to graduate into chronic pain. Okay, because once it turns into chronic pain, you're screwed in a big way, yep. you know, that then we can't keep throwing opioids at the problem. And when we do, we see what's happened, you know. Uh, another really fascinating um, plant medicine is Ibogaine. It's from a shrub in Africa. And it's a dream inducer. Technically, it's kind of also considered a dissociative, but it's also a very potent psychedelic drug. But it's been found to be extremely effective at eliminating, if not, if not completely getting rid of, uh, significantly attenuating acute opiate withdrawal. So patients are going, addicts are going wow. to places like Mexico uh, in, in increasing numbers to undergo Ibogaine treatment uh, to get through the very intense and uncomfortable period of withdrawal that normally takes place after one ceases an opioid. That makes it very hard for people to stop. Wait, you said they go to Mexico? So I'm assuming they're yeah. going to Mexico because it's illegal, right, in the United States. So, right, it's illegal in the United States. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's illegal in the United States and a lot of other parts of the world, you know, and... <clears throat> Mexico is interesting because uh, I'm not quite sure about the legality of Ibogaine, but with some other plant medicines like peyote and ayahuasca, it's not that they're legal. It's that it's not enforced, you know, very, uh, very much. So it opens up that avenue for people to be able to go there to seek treatment. But yeah, Ibogaine has been shown to be incredibly effective in, in opioid withdrawal and detox, but also has been shown to reduce the amount of relapse, you know, um, and, and the increases in harm reduction and just the kind of positive signs you want to see in people recovering from opioid addiction. And, and we're talking about people like from IV heroin, uh, the current modalities for treatment are very limiting and not that successful. You have to understand if you're an IV drug user, your rates of uh, recovery are pretty slim. If we're just talking about 12 steps and CBT and, you know, things uh, and total abstinence, when we're using just total abstinence as our success metric, um, that's harmful as well, you know, because it's like if you use cannabis and all of a sudden you're not in the successful portion of patients when like if you were speedballing before, like, you know, that's a big improvement, uh, you know, so we have to start to change the way we look at uh, a lot of the conditions that we're treating. But to your earlier question, yeah, the, the studies are are increasing and the results are robust and promising. And they are showing hard data that, you know, unlike cannabis, which was really interesting, uh, a lot of these interventions, MDMA for PTSD, for example, you know, MAPS has been doing those groundbreaking clinical trials and P like 60, some 67% of patients don't qualify as having PTSD anymore. You know, like we've never seen results like that ever in the history of neuropsychiatry, you know. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, the, the numbers are absolutely there and, and they're just as promising uh, for this good news as they are grim for the uh, the epidemics and crises that we're currently facing. Wow, that's that's wild. And then that like, I guess my I, I get. <laughs> Don't get mad. I guess I get mad. I, I get a little frustrated because it's like, well, <laughs> I feel like I'm that scene in Family Guy where he uh, he walks up to the um, the stem cell research. He's like, why aren't we funding this? Like, <laughs> that's that's how my mind kind of goes. To. Like, that, like that was, why? That was one of the funniest moments for me in Family Guy. Ever. <laughs> 
I, crack, I remember cracking up because I was work. I was doing stem cell research at the time. No kidding. Okay. Even, yeah, yeah. I made it even funnier that I was doing induced pluripotent stem cell research at University of Miami, and then I saw that scene and it made me laugh. You know, like because it's so true. The hypocrisy is insane. Yeah, but then then it goes to I guess the question to psychedelics, right? Why? Why? Like, why is there the stigma still? Is it just like this residual stigma from the, the like the Nixon Reagan war on drugs, or is it just that people they still don't? I, mean, I guess I guess, yeah, the stigma. Does it go back to the stigma? Is that kind of the bad guy here? I think I think that's definitely part of it. I think part of it is still undoing that, uh, and it's it takes time to undo the damage that that. Uh, prohibition has and the war on drugs has kind of uh inflected on all of us and society and the world as a whole um part of it also i'm sure is just trying to understand how to safely use these compounds and do it right this time to make sure we don't uh have any issues like we did in the 60s and 70s and cause another era of prohibition you know um but i think that's a big part of it i think you know i, I wrote this piece for for microdose and it was three reasons uh, psychedelic medicine is projected to win bipartisan political support ahead of the 2020 elections. Uh, originally, it, unlike cannabis was in the title. And it, the interesting thing is cannabis, the big focus is on recreational, you know, uh, the research momentum kind of fell to the wayside as we were really intent on getting people this access on a recreational level. That's not the case with psychedelic medicine, right? Uh, right now, the movement is to medicalize and keep it clinical. And the research is way more robust, partly because it's a sing, you know, the single molecule paradigm of drug discovery, it fits a lot better with psychedelic medicine. And by that, I mean, the entourage effect in cannabis, which is the fact that cannabis is not just THC, but there's CBD, CBN, CBC, there's hundreds of terpenoids, flavonoids, esters. And the running theory is it's probably a harmonic interplay of all these compounds that create its different versatile therapeutic effects. And that's very hard for us to study because we're used to studying one compound at a time. You know, um, now while things like psilocybin and their plant form might still likely exhibit some sort of entourage effect because there's other alkaloids and stuff in the mushroom. We're still finding great success just taking psilocybin, just taking LSD and running it through the trials that we do and seeing those single molecules. They're way more efficacious than THC was alone, for example. So this this research is starting to sort of really shift people's perceptions, you know. Um, and and in regards to the article I wrote, a lot of this research has been done not by accident, uh, I don't think, uh, in military veterans, first responders, and military. It's not like those are the only people that suffer from PTSD, but it's a very marginalized population that, that suffers from greatly. Um, but also on a political strategic level, it's a great way to get Republicans and Democrats behind you. You know, uh, Unlike cannabis, there's a, been a really strong movement on the right to also get things like MDMA and psilocybin uh, approved. You know, I just interviewed uh, Colonel Rakesh Jetley, the head of mental health for NATO, uh, and he works for the Canadian Armed Forces. Uh, and he's conducting the first PTSD trial in veterans using psilocybin in the world. You know? Oh, awesome. So this movement, yeah, this movement that's, that's taking place in the, these specific demographics, I think have helped propel it forward at the rate that it's gone. I think so, it's worth mentioning. Yeah. So I, then I guess the, the, the number one question my sales brain goes to is what's the call to action? What can we do, not just here at the Brian Nichols Show, but in the greater liberty movement? What can we do to help raise awareness to this and I guess help 
educate, enlighten, and inform people on the benefits of psychedelics? Is there a website? Is there, a, you know, an organization like, I don't know, Microdose that we can send them to? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I think one of the leading organizations right now that I mentioned is MAPS, the, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. You know, um, they're, they're doing some really novel research by all means. <clears throat> I really suggest people check out our website, uh, microdose.buzz, and you know we host these conferences. Uh, we call them molecular masterclasses. We had a ketamine one. We had psilocybin this weekend, and we bring together the leading experts, researchers, and industry thought leaders in the field, you know, to come together and to talk about this. So to attend these conferences, uh, to call your uh, your representatives, email them, send them letters, tell them to, to look into the research that's going on and support measures like in Oregon, you know, a shout out to Sam Chapman and the people that are got measure 109 and 110 approved in Oregon, huge congratulations. Like that is the kind of grassroots efforts that we need to be able to move this forward, you know, because before it's going to happen on a national level, places like what, uh, places like Oregon are setting the precedent are establishing that precedent, places like Canada, on a country level are, are establishing that precedent. And it, it ties into a lot of other things too. Like Patty Hodgdew in Canada, she's calling for a, a bear to not close down its only injectable opioid uh, clinic, you know, because issues of harm reduction and sensible drug policy are all tied into the psychedelic movement as well. You know, we, we need to be able to keep the heroin addicts and the opiate addicts alive long enough. And that's harder today, considering the amount of fentanyl and, and synthetic opioids on the streets that are tainting everything from opioids to cocaine to press pills and people are dying left and right. Your margin of error is much smaller these days. You know, uh, your next relapse is, is very much likely your last for a lot of people. And that's really unfortunate, you know, so so we need to up our efforts of harm reduction. So I encourage people to look into those as well and understand that it's a holistic strategy, you know, uh, to be able to pick up the slack in different areas of mental health treatment, addiction treatment, uh, and then incorporating the psychedelic protocol into that as well is, is where we're going to have the best likelihood of success. Gora, Dubai, we could go on for hours. There's so, like, literally, there is so much that, like, I just, I need to learn. And and I think this, this is, like, this is how it starts. You need to have this this conversation. And I think you're going to find, um, especially after this episode airs, there's going to be a lot of folks, especially from the right, I think, that are going to be, um, you know, going and, and, you know, digging into not only, you know, what you guys are doing at Microdose, but actually going in and starting to look more into this this greater psychedelics uh, movement because it is much more than what the the personification has been by the mainstream corporate media it, it's mm -hmm. we need to get past you know this this you know old old school mentality this old you know again the the this is your brain this is your brain on drugs mentality it, it's it's old propaganda and and we need to start you know basically just being you know ad, being honest with ourselves and admitting it as as such so i mean with that being said uh, Gaurav, there, there's um obviously micro our microdose.buzz um any other like social media links we can go make sure we can include in the uh, the show notes yeah, absolutely. You can find us on social media at Microdose HQ on Twitter. Uh, it's at Microdose, I think, HQ on Facebook as well. Uh, we're on Instagram. Uh, my personal Twitter handle is CrispyCast9. The C R I S P Y C A S nine. It's a play on words off the genetic editing, gene editing technology, CRISPR Cas nine. Okay. Uh, you know, so you can find me there. Um, and then yeah, you know, check us out. Send us an email uh, if you're interested in. Uh, 
collaborations or to contribute into the space, you can email us at info at microdose.buzz, um, you know, and you'll be connected to me if you want to syndicate great guest content or come on my podcast, anything along those lines. And, you know, I look forward to coming back on your show soon and, uh, you know, continuing these important conversations. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, Gaurav. Thank you so much for joining on The Brian Nichols Show. We'll definitely make sure uh, we continue this conversation in the near future for sure. Awesome. I look forward to it. A quick read from our new sponsor, and that is the Expat Money Show. Now, if you are a longtime listener or even a relatively new listener here on The Brian Nichols Show, then you remember our good friend, Mikkel Thorup from the Expat Money Show. What an episode to learn that just because you were born in one country doesn't mean that you have to pay your taxes there forever to do your banking there, to have your investments there, raise your family there, or even have your companies register there, learn there, get your kids educated there, or even live your life there. How about that? You can go ahead and live your life wherever it is you see fit, because the Expat Money Show, which is hosted by our friend Mikkel Thorup, originally started as a podcast but has grown to a worldwide community of entrepreneurs who are living international location, independent lifestyles. Mikkel is focused on helping you live an international life by looking at problems through the lens of global solutions. In this day and age, there is no reason you should let borders get in the way of having the best the world has to offer. So, Brian Nichols Show audience, head over to the Expat Money Show today. Give Mikkel a subscribe, a fantastic show, and tell him that Brian Nichols sent you. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Gaurav Dubé. We're talking about psychedelics, and I hope you guys found it as not only as informative, but just truly an enjoyable conversation as I did. And if you did, please do me a favor. As always, head over and support our guests over on their various platforms. In this case, microdose.buzz. I will include the links in the show notes so you can go ahead and learn more. And obviously, make sure you go ahead and give Gorov some support and tell him that Brian Nichols sent you. So, uh, otherwise, at B Nichols Liberty, that's where you can find me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, minds.com, and parlor.com. Go ahead and give me a follow there at B Nichols Liberty. If you've not had the chance yet to give a five-star rating and review, head over to Apple Podcasts. Give us that five-star rating and review. And while you're there, uh, make sure that you go ahead and share that with family and friends. And when you do, go ahead and tag me and you will also be entered. I know I've been saying if you only did a five-star rating and review, but if you also share with family and friends, you'll be entered into our amazing Ebels Topical Freeze Gel Giveaway, CBD Topical Freeze Gel Giveaway. Make sure you go ahead, email me your review or tag me at B Nichols Liberty. Email Brian at BrianNicholsShow.com. Heading up here to Friday, guys, we have a returning guest, and he is a phenomenal guest at that. The one and only president of Young Americans for Liberty, Cliff Maloney. Cliff joins the show once again, outlining the phenomenal work they're doing at Young Americans for Liberty. But more specifically, now we're looking back at the 2020 election. And we get to see exactly some KPIs that uh, some key performance indicators that are out there that uh, Young Americans for Liberty and Cliff are able to uh, put as feathers in their proverbial caps. So an amazing opportunity to have a a fun, in-depth conversation about those Young Americans for Liberty wins as we head up here on Friday. So, guys, if you have not had the chance yet, hit that subscribe button. Make sure you tune in next week so you're not missing not only Cliff, but every single phenomenal episode here on the Brian Nichols Show. So, with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on the Brian Nichols Show for Gaurav Dubé. We'll see you Friday. Thanks for listening to the Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.